Welcome to Cultivated Marketer, where we talk marketing professional development so your garden of opportunity grows. This is Brent Bowen, and tonight my friend and colleague Matt Tidwell will be unable to join us. Had a little bit of a scheduling snafu, and I am buying, well, I'm not buying, I'm selling two houses and buying one. So got juggling some serious life events right now. But if you've caught us, there was a guest we had that was pretty monumental to the Kansas City marketing and communication community. And that was Mike Swenson. And we had such a great time with Mike that we've broken our discussion with him into two interviews. And we spoke with him a few weeks back. And in that conversation with Mike, we discussed his experience with Lee National Denim Day. He was on the forefront of helping establish that philanthropic event, which ended up for many years was picked up by Susan G. Komen. And we talked to him about the impetus for that event, which is especially important and relevant now as we're looking at all of these purpose-driven companies and B Corps coming to the forefront of corporate structures and this idea that corporations should be working on behalf of this community and purpose should be as much, if not more important than profits. So we talked to Mike about that and completely relevant conversation about the early days of Lee National Denim Day. We also spent a great deal of time chatting with him about career development and what professionals, whether you'd be new in your career or your mid-career or even towards the tail end of your career, Mike recently left a position as a high-ranking executive within you know, a pretty prominent PR and communication agency here in the Kansas city area. And we talked to him about those experiences and when it's the right time to, to leave that role. And he may have left that role, but based on Mike and his interest, we spent a little bit of time talking about his next act. And when you hear the, the quality of the conversation and the quality of Mike's voice, you pick up why his next act is what it is. And so he's going to serve as voice talent. Anyway, we have a great conversation with Mike and we don't want to keep you from it. So again, thanks for joining us. Matt will definitely be back next time. And we hope you enjoy our continued conversation with Mike Swenson. And, you know, I was going to ask you this next question. At first, I thought they weren't related, but they really are. I want us to switch topics now a little bit and talk about we're primarily in the Kansas City market, as everybody knows. And a lot of the thrust of, of our show is talking to young marketers, right? People who are developing themselves in the field. And I know often when people think about getting into the field, they, they often think that they have to move to the coast, right? So I've got to go. I've got to live in New York or Los Angeles to really work on the really cool, quote unquote, cool projects. But I remember very specifically as, as a young PR guy back in the day, uh, Howie Bosberg was a mentor of mine. I know you know Howie very well. And Howie always used to say, hey, guys, great work can happen here in Kansas City. And you don't have to move to the coast to work on, again, kind of those really cool projects. First of all, I assume you agree with that. But yep. secondly, would that still, would that, and you mentored so many young, young professionals in our business. Do you find that that exists? And, and are, are we getting better maybe at, at selling that proposition that, you can do great things right here in the Midwest. 
Yeah, and I think it's I think it's happening. I think it's evolved so that it's it really is happening. I you know, I worked as you know, Matt. I worked for Howard for a year before I went to Barclay Evergreen, started the PR firm there. So I I was able to work with him for a. I, he would say I had a cup of coffee with him, but, um, <laughs> but it was it was a great experience because in that one year I went from my you know career as a journalist and press secretary to understand that everything I'd learned I could now use to help promote pest control and shampoo, which is were my two big clients at Bozeburg and uh, Breck Shampoo and Combat Pest Control. And, and But I learned that it's like, oh, everything I've learned adapts and, and migrates and I, I can do this. So, so that was important. And I think today what's happening, we saw it happen as Barclay grew over the years, is that when we would begin to attract people from, you know, candidates, prospective employees, from other parts of the country that had never been to Kansas City. They never stepped foot in Kansas City until we flew them in for an interview. And they were all to 100% were always blown away at what an incredible city Kansas City is from every every perspective, culturally, business-wise, beauty, everything. I mean, they were blown away. And and then when you get their spouses here, they were blown away, you know, if they were if they were married and then they had families. And and all of a sudden it's like people coming in from the coast also realize one very important thing is cost of living. So you have all this wonderful, yet this incredible city, but I can live here a hell of a lot cheaper, if I can say that, than than uh than I can in New York. We had a guy who we attracted here, a creative for for Barclay, who sold his Long Island home for a sizable sum and brought that sum of money to Kansas City and didn't have to nearly spend it to buy a new house. And, you know, he was flat, you know, he was, he was blown away. So I think it's, it's happened now. And, and you have such, you've always, we've always such a strong creative marketing PR community in Kansas City. And, and there's so many reasons why we have that. We could talk, that would be a whole show about why that developed over the years, but it did. And we have agencies who are doing national work all the time now. We have so many headquarters here that people don't give us people people around the country don't understand how many headquarters are here of companies. That adds to it, and all of a sudden you've got we've got a strong community of marketing communications professionals that are working either corporately, agency, or nonprofit. And uh, word is spreading, and and now you've got with the downtown. I think then I think the linchpin was also what happened downtown. In the last 15 years and, and we moved downtown in the in the 90s from the suburbs and we've moved twice we've been in two different buildings downtown and watching what's happened down there because that's where young people they want that kind of environment so now we have the kind of environment that is attracting a younger generation or keeping more importantly maybe keeping younger generations here from leaving but also able to attract so i think we've got a lot going on i think it's happening now yeah, you remind your remarks there remind me, Mike, of a so your your creative pursuits around the the voice and voice and acting. I, I do some creative writing until I started my own company, but I've workshopped with a New York Times bestselling author, and he would do a session on finance for authors. And he said, write from somewhere else other than New York. Let the editor struggle financially. You go ahead and write from Kansas City. He lives in Ohio, outside of Cleveland area, but he's a New York Times. He goes, I don't have to live in New York to be a New York Times bestselling author. I just need to create good work, right? So true. That's that's a great story. 
Yeah. So, so I, I think, you know, how, how he was right. He was as usual, how he was ahead of his time. Uh, he would, and, and, and his firm was doing it. I mean, he was working nationally, you know, you know, nationally with a company that was based here in Marion Labs, but then nationally with the clients I worked on, which were based in New Jersey. So, well, and you, you were talking about Howie and I, and I want to go a little deeper into this discussion of some of your experiences with, with Bozberg and you were talking about translatable skills and then juxtaposing that idea of translatable skills against maybe kind of the marketing environment, the state of marketing communication today, right? So this show in a large part is about helping marketing professionals grow and learn no matter kind of where they are uh, along their career, but particularly for inexperienced marketers, you know, what things do you see that they need to come to the table with today that may be the same, but also maybe different than 20 years ago? Yeah, no, that's great. That's this will be a good discussion. But a couple of things, at least one thing, I don't think has has changed, and that is when somebody uh, over the years, I would get the question whether I'd be speaking to a class like yours, Matt, or or in interviews, interviewing people. You know, what are you looking for? What are you looking for in a person to be in in your firm? And I said, my first answer is always, I'm looking for people with a sense of urgency, a high sense of urgency. I said, but now let me tell you what I mean by that. It's not just about time. It's not just about speed. It's about understanding that the first answer we arrive at may not be the right one. Mm. And if we don't push ourselves to make sure that it's the right one, now it may be, but we got to make sure it's the right one. And so that's a, there's a sense of urgency to keep pushing, keep pushing. No, we've got a deadline out there, but we got to keep pushing. It's also about the details. It's about doing what we say we're going to do. And I want people to be urgent about that. I want people to understand that nothing should come to me to edit a plan or whatever that should should be ready to go to the client. I shouldn't have to make a lot of edits. Mm-hmm. You should have done homework. You should have, you know, you should have. And then it is about speed. It is about we got to be fast in this business sometimes. You know, the old adage of speed, quality, price went out the window. I mean, I never experienced that because we had to do all three always. I'm not sure that ever existed. I think that was a big myth, yeah. but, but, but you the, know, good fast, the good, fast, cheap. <laughs> you yeah, get to you get degree, right? Or we'll yeah. find your will. I never knew yeah. anybody. Was it. So I think, so I, I always, we were looking for people who, who were beyond just, you know, got to be a good communicator. You have to be able to write and all that stuff. That's, that's, those are table stakes. And, and then I think also my experience at working for Howard for a year, but also then with Barkley and Evergreen, with, with Bill Fromm, our founder, who was a tr- classic entrepreneur. And he instilled in all of us that entrepreneur spirit, which is we're not going to get everything right. And that's okay. But we're going to try a lot of stuff. And so we want people who are, understand that they've got the freedom to try. They've got the freedom to fail. And then when we fail, we figure out how to fix it and move on and, and do the right thing. But it's it's looking for those kind of people that aren't going to be afraid to ask the questions, push themselves, push each other. And I think that's the biggest thing sometimes in young people is helping them understand that you got to be willing to be in an environment where it's going to be uncomfortable. We can't create great work if it's not uncomfortable to do it, to get there. You know, Lee National Den Day didn't come about because we all sat around and agreed around the table. Oh, let's do this. Like, no, it's because we pushed each other. We came up with an idea that worked for 20 years and raised $100 million and helped a brand, helped, helped give Lee a brand layer that they didn't have before. So I think that's, that's what we're looking for. You know, the thing that's changed is just 
how we can do things now. I mean, the te- you know, technology has changed how we do things. You know, and I think, you know, obviously people come, you know, younger generations have the advantage over all of us because they're, they've grown up with it. It's part of their DNA now to just find new ways to communicate and find new ways to deploy communications and find new ways to come up with things. And it's then those of us who are hiring those people to listen to them (laughs) and understand that they're bringing stuff to the party right away, right today. There's things that they understand intuitively that we had to learn. And so I think it's an exchange. And and so it's given that younger generation that freedom to say, hey, help us figure out the best ways to do stuff. I don't know. That's kind of, you know, my take on things right now. You know, as you were mentioning, just getting yourself, learning to be uncomfortable and having a sense of urgency, right? I mean, you know, I think that's so important, particularly for young marketers. I know Brent knows Professor Angie Hendershot, who teaches in our program, and she always talks to students about come with a perspective, right? Come, come to the table with a perspective, have, have that. And that is, that can be an uncomfortable, you know, kind of proposition if you're a a young marketer, but, and that's why, you know, advancing yourself and developing yourself is so important, but it just kind of got me thinking that as you were talking about just that sense of urgency piece and that being, being uncomfortable and and learning to live with that. But it it really, you know, in many cases also about bringing something to to the table. Well, my, my personal experience with uncomfortable came when I became assistant press secretary to Governor Carlin and, and, and I left. What I always wanted to do was be a broadcast journalist. I thought, you know, I want to be the next, you know, Walter Cronkite. Well, you know, I had an opportunity and I switched, I, I switched sides, as they said back then. I went from the, from reporting on the governor to being his spokesperson. But I remember one of the first staff meetings I sat in. So I'd been there maybe a month and I'm, uh, you know, this is, I'm 30, I'm, I don't know how old I am, 28, 20, 27, 28 years old. And I'm sitting in the room and, get, and and Carlin was very collaborative and he liked all of us to be in a room once a week and we kick around ideas and stuff. I'm sitting in that room and I'm thinking there is no way I am half as smart as everybody else in this room. And it was very uncomfortable. And I thought, you know, well, what am I doing here? You know, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I very comfortable reporting. I did all that stuff. And it took me a couple of meetings and I, I would have these thoughts and I'd say, I'd think about something that they were talking about. I'd say, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say anything. Five minutes later, somebody would utter the exact thought I had just had. And it finally took me a couple of, and some courage to finally speak up once and say, well, what have we thought about this? And once I did that and nobody just, you know, laughed, you know, it's like, and so I think that's what young people need to understand is you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there. You've got to put yourself out there. And it, it, you know, it took me a couple of months to do that in, in that very, very different environment than I've been used to. And, and one where, you know, when you're working for a governor and, you know, the issue, you know, they're talking about issues and taxes and, you know, how to help people and, and it's big stuff, you know, and you don't think you have anything to add right away. Well, it turns out I did, and, you know, it worked out pretty well. But, but you got to have the courage to do it. And it took me a while. And I think it takes everybody. But, uh, you know, the sooner somebody just, stands up and says, you know, one of my rules has always been, I I can't solve a problem I don't know about. So if you don't tell me you've got a problem or you don't tell me you've got an idea, what good is it? Yeah, I I work with, in my business, I bring on a lot of inexperienced professionals. And that's one of the conversations that we have early on is that notion of uncomfortable. And I often tell them the greatest enemy is the enemy in your head. Is it the enemy in your own head is the obstacle you need to get past. Yeah, that's great. Right? And I'll, I'll use a JFK quote about, hey, 
you got a great idea. JFK said, throw that hat over the fence and go get it. Right. It's bring that idea to me. I want to hear it. Don't you reject it. Let me reject it because most of the time I'll try and find an angle to kind of incorporate it and we'll work together on it. So yeah, that that's, that's very helpful. The, the only thing I would add is, and it's the, it's something that hasn't changed. And that is to understand that we always have to keep learning, you know, and I know that's kind of, you know, again, maybe table stakes, but it's like, you know, we all, we all get points in our career. I mean, I was with the same company for 32 years. So there would be times when I would hit a wall and go, huh, you know, uh, I got to go back in there, you know, and, and it's mm-hmm. old, same old. And it's like, so you got to kind of, you know, you got to kind of reinvigorate and push yourself. And it, it wasn't just me. I would, I would depend on other people to kind of shove me occasionally. And, and I was always blessed, incredibly blessed with great, great partners over the years. Matt and Brent, I know you know many of them. And so that was great because I would get help to say, you know, yeah, hey, you need to, you know, go take a couple of days off then, you know, or what, or, or, you know, get right. Here's what you need to do. And so I think that's, that's the other thing is, is to understand that it's not, you're not in this alone. You've got partners. And as we all know, especially in, in the agency world, you bond with people. These people become friends for life. The thing I'm most proud of, I've always said, it, I'm proud of all the great work. The thing I'm most proud of for 32 years is I look back and look at how many people today are still great friends who work together at Barclay or Crossroads. And they hang out together. They still see each other. They, they aren't connected to the company anymore, but they're still friends with those people because you, you build bonds with those people because you went through the wars together. You went through the fire together. And that's what's great about our business. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, you're bringing back fond memories of book club. <laughs> One of my, that was, there were no books involved. There were beer generally, but no books in book club. That's perfect. <laughs> so one of, as we were talking about kind of, you know, we were talking about skills and the foundational development of what's the same and what's different. One of the things that as we're going to be exploring through conversations with different individuals we have on and as a leader of an organization a lot of the skills that you mentioned may not necessarily translate themselves into advancement. So one of the questions as a leader of an organization, Matt and I were really curious about if, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking about career advancement, what were the things that you were kind of, what were the attributes you were looking for when you were looking for maybe the next leader of an, in an organization? And it may not, you know, may or may not have been related to those translatable skills that we talked about just a moment ago. Sure. Well, that's, you know, I knew, I knew when we launched Crossroads, you know, part of, you know, there are many reasons we rebranded from Barclay Pierre to Crossroads, many business reasons. One of them, though, was I knew that last July 1st was coming, that I was going to, I was ready. I was already looking down the road and saying, you know, I, you know I'm not going to do this till I'm 90, you know, and it's also time. Because there, you know, there is a good leadership team there, strong leadership team. So as a leader, you need to begin to understand uh, when do you start changing what you're doing so that you can not lose the next potential leader of the company, you know. And so you have to. So Crossroads was about that was one of the reasons I did that was to begin to say to the leadership team, okay, I'm I'm going to start stepping away now. And 
some of you are going to start picking up running this place because I've done it long enough. I'm not doing it as well as I used to. There's things I don't do as well as I used to. And, and there's things that you do better. So that's, I guess that's number one is identifying in people who, who can do things better than you're doing. And who can, who can actually run the company better? Who can, who can do the numbers better? Who can, who can pay more attention to be more detailed about client service? Who can be more, you know, and at the same time, be able to be inspirational and be a leader and all that. So, but it's also, so as a leader, it's, it's recognizing that the day is coming and you need to start identifying that person and then getting out of their way. Bill Fromm told me at one of my fr- five years in or so, he told me, you know, one of my, you know, and, our, and, and believe me, Bill's uh, reviews with you would be like three minutes, you know, so, so, you know, you, but he always got a, a great point across. Well, one of his first things he told me, one of the first reviews I remember really well was he just said to me, he said, you've learned something. You, you've learned something much faster than I learned, and that is to delegate, to hire, you know, when you hire somebody, you give them a job, you get out of their way and do it, you know? And so I took that to heart, and, and I, I, I told people, I said, look, I'm not going to do that anymore over the years. I'm, I'm done, and you guys, you're going to take that over, and, I, and you just need to tell me, you bring me in when you need to. So I think that's part of, of leadership is, is making sure you don't overmanage and micromanage because that's how you lose people. That's how you lose your potential leaders. Because if they don't see a path to continue to grow, then they're not going to stick around. So we, you know, with Crossroads, we we had a great leadership team that is that is not com- still intact completely. Some of them are. The new president, Lindsay Dewitt, is one of those, and she's she's now you know she's now president running the place, and Jen Colley is still there. And there's a couple others still there. But the point is that we, we held a, a good team together because I got out of the way and said, you guys need to start running this place. And that's what they did. So I don't know if that answers the question or not, but that's, that's the most important thing. And they got to see the path. And I'm sure over the years, there are people that left that, well, Swenson's not going for a long time. And so I'm sure we lost some, I lost some people that might have someday been able to run the place. I know I did, but I wasn't ready to leave at 50, you know, but. 64 I was. Yeah, empowered I, it sounds like this idea of empowerment within the the set of responsibilities you give them and yeah. throw them into that deep deep end of the pool and you're like, look, call call me if you need a life preserver, but otherwise enjoy the pool. The other thing you can do is 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 not just about running an operation, it's about what that operation can do. So obviously, the cause effort created lots of opportunities over the years for people to to lead that effort. We became, you know, we, we did a lot. We do, do a ton of crisis management. And, and so that, that practice created opportunities. We went to practice groups a few years ago, and that was another way to create responsibility. So, you know, today Crossroads has a health and finance practice group and has a leisure and, and, leisure and food and, and consumer group. So again, you can, you can within the organization say, okay, let's, let's create a practice group around, around a service like cause or crisis. Let's create a practice group around a specific industry. Give somebody that leadership to lead that. That's another way in which you can, you know, continue to keep people. Okay. Now I'm running something, you know, yeah. I am running something. The, the leader's not leaving yet, but now they've got their own little portfolio and they're leading. It gives them a chance to learn how to manage people because not everybody's. We don't have an owner's manner on how to manage people. None of us. We all had to figure it out. So there's lots of different ways 
to create opportunities for people. Mike, you've been generous with your time, and I know we definitely want to ask you about your creative interests, but you just sparked something for me that since we talk professional development here and you you worked with so many particularly young marketers in your agencies and things like that. What kinds of things did you like to see young folks do from a professional development perspective? I know that was something that you really you know, got behind and promoted, but just there's all sorts of, of PD out there. It, it, and also, did you see a difference between those that made a commitment to it and those that didn't? Yes. <laughs> to answer that question, absolutely. Those people that did. And I, there are so many ways, and some of it is 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 self motivated. You know, it's it's just they're learning on their own. And obviously, as as technology changed and it became much easier to access content, you you can do it a lot easier today than, than we could. You know, we had to go to the library sometimes. You know, look stuff up. You know, we we always were involved with organizations like PRSA and IABC, supported those organizations, and and encouraged people to go. We would we would pay half of people's they want to go to a luncheon and go to a speak you know and we and we didn't pay at all because it was like you got to put some skin in the game and we'll put some skin in the game and we felt that was fair because if you pay for it all then you know what are they getting out of it so not everybody took advantage of that but a lot of people did over the years and and we would do that and then i think you know iprex became important for us because then we had access to uh, fellow pr firms all around the globe on every continent we could access help from them we could get you know on you know we could get people together and we would send people to conferences and you know the, there was a global leadership conference done every year where we send people to those so we would take advantage of that and then they'd come back and do presentations so we we tried to help invest we invested some but at the same time we also encouraged people to you know do on your own and and anytime you go do something bring it back you know, bring it back into the group and, and you do it at one of our Wednesday stand-up meetings, do a little presentation on that or, or at our monthly. Then we had, we had weekly meetings. We have a weekly meeting. We have a monthly meeting and that's continued. And so then we would share stuff and we do our own professional development internally as well. Glad you mentioned IPREX because so many times, you know, those, those agency alliances are so valuable, right? It's one of the reasons one of the, I tell you, know, if you should I go to work for an agency or a corporation, but, you know, I often forget that, that many times agencies, even if they're local, are part of a larger network where you can get a lot of that cool PD. So, yeah. Well, as, as the leader of a PR firm, what IPREX did for me was I had 90 other firms globally to gauge what we were doing, how we were doing against. And these are the best independent agencies in every market, you know, so, so they were great. And, and we would all get together as principals and share. We had no fear of, we didn't care about competition. Sometimes we would compete against each other for business. We didn't care. We'd get in those rooms a couple times a year and let our hair down and say, you know, what pro we were all having the same issues. How do you deal with it? How are you doing this? How's that going on? And, and it was always so great to be able to sit down and talk to peers. That was my professional development. <laughs> uh, and you touched on that earlier, Mike, just about sometimes it's better to get in a room with someone you believe is better than you and get roughed up a little bit. Right. Cause that's how you get better. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a sports metaphor out to, you know, to the nine, you know, that I've talked to kids. Experience, uh, Brent, or? Well, Oh yeah. I got a lot better getting whooped. Mark, Mark, I think marketing communications is pretty much a full contact sport. So, you know, yeah. just, <laughs> and it's good in a good way. In a good way. Agreed. So we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about your creative, I mean, I'm going to call it a creative pursuit, but it's much more than that. As someone that takes that very seriously, it's not a hobby. When you say a creative pursuit, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds like it's the next act. So w why acting? 
what what's the genesis there? Well, it's it's more about the voice acting part. I mean, I, I I'm going to continue my consulting gig because it's working, and I've got several interesting clients that I'm working with, and and actually the pandemic created a couple of interesting opportunities. Not that you know everyone in this audience will take that the right way, but but I've always you know I've always been told you got a great voice. I started out in broadcasting and in both radio and television, and yet I've never had time to. I just never had the time to to pursue it. So I decided that's something I want to try to do. I've got the entire rest of my life to make it happen. But I, you know, I, I did a demo tapes last summer, a professionally done. I hired an agent. I was in the process of of building out a studio in my house, which kind of got stopped because I got busy with my consulting gig. But I'm going to continue to pursue this as long as I have my voice, I guess. So. But we'll see. I've had, I've made a, had a couple auditions, not not been hired yet. So, but we'll we'll continue that pursuit. So I'm excited about it. It's fun. It's it's something. Like I said, I've always wanted to do it because I wanted to get back into broad. You know, broadcasting was my first love. And and if I had my druthers, I'd own a little radio station somewhere and do a morning show with some music, some sports talk, and some news, and then go out sell a couple ads and then play golf in the afternoon. That apparently is not going to happen. It's hard to buy a radio station now. I hear so there. There is the whole world of podcasting, though, Mike. I know. I know. There, there is this whole world of podcasting. You and I, you and I should talk. We should, uh, we should talk. Maybe, maybe you're going to be my conduit to get this thing off the ground. Maybe I can help you with the studio setup too. But you know, the great irony would be if you were a voice actor for soap and pest control. <laughs> I'll do it. I understand the industry. I can do jeans. I can do. Tater tots, hamburgers, I got it all. I, you know, I know all those industries. So, Mike, you've been so generous with your time. Thank you so much, and thank you, Gosh, for just the the mentorship that you provided and the leadership and locally in our industry. I just think it's uh, just so glad we were able to at least sit down for a few minutes with you to to kind of tap into some of that. I told Brent this would be a real master class, and it certainly was. And Gosh, good luck on uh, good luck on your your next pursuits. We'll be watching that carefully, and I know we'll we'll see you at industry events and other kinds of things as well. So thanks for thanks for all your help, and thanks for being on today. Totally, my pleasure. I'm, I'm uh, you guys are doing a great. Uh, this is a great service you guys are providing, and I'm I'm very uh, interested to see it evolve over time. And uh, happy to come back for a reunion visit in a year or two. So just let me thanks. know. Good. Thanks. We would welcome that. Thanks, Mike, for joining us. Thank you. If you found value in today's episode, check us out on our website, cultivatedmarketer.com. You'll also be able to subscribe to us, rate us, and leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Remember, a garden of opportunity grows with Cultivated Marketer. <laughs>